Welcome to the Who Do You Think You Are podcast by Endurance Leadership. Each episode, we interview ordinary but extraordinary individuals about their unique identity journeys, sharing valuable lessons and breakthrough coaching moments to inspire and help listeners get unstuck. My name is Ken Castrico. As a deep coach with over 20 years of experience and the owner of Endurance Leadership, my mission is to guide clients on a journey of self-discovery. Ultimately, my goal is to empower clients to not only understand but fully embrace their true selves, unlocking their full potential and living a more authentic and fulfilling life. Knowing who you are can change the way you see the world and others around you, and that's why we are here to help you find you. Join us as we search for the gold in people's lives. Today, my guest is Mark Tolman. Mark is a husband and professional that has been in the business world for a long time. He has been in mid to high level management. He's also a relationship builder and currently works with JOIN, the State of Nevada Job Placement Program. I met Mark when we both worked in sales almost 20 years ago. I went to college with his wife, Kim. Mark is an avid USC Trojan fan and we've always connected over sports. I love Mark's passion for people and serving his community, which he has done without fail for as long as I've known him. Without further ado, Mark Tolman. Thanks for coming, Mark. Thanks so, for having me. So again. nice to have you here. Thanks. I don't think you can be successful unless you know or understand who you are, what your identity is. And when I say successful, I mean in all facets of life. It's very difficult to be successful when you don't know who you are. I really want to explore how people came to be who they are and how identity played in that. And I'm sure it took a long time, took me a long time to figure out who I was and where I was going. So I guess, tell us a little bit about your background, Mark. Where'd you come from? How'd you get to Reno? Sure. Well, I was actually born in the East Coast in, in New York, but that was just a short while. My father, who was a physician, moved the family out west. And so really, I could say that I'm from the, the West Coast. I grew up in the Los Angeles area and attended college down in Southern California as well. And I was fortunate to have the opportunity to come to Reno because a company that I worked for called Newark Electronics asked me to, to move to Reno, Nevada to open up and manage the sales office there. And I have to say, Ken, that it was the best decision that I, that I ever made. Why is that? Well, growing up in Southern California in the 70s and then, of course, the 80s, you know, some of my dreams were to purchase a home, perhaps maybe one day raise a family, but it was not very affordable for a young person like myself. And I actually was very lucky that I had the opportunity to come to Reno. The company had two other individuals in mind and they weren't interested in moving to Reno. And I more or less raised my hand and said, I'll go. I had some experience in relocating before. Another company had sent me from Los Angeles to San Jose for a short while, and then I relocated back to LA. But this was a new challenge for me because the company wanted to promote me to management and I was gonna run the new sales office in Reno. But then Reno also gave me an opportunity to get vested in the community. Mm -hmm. I was able now to have a chance to purchase a home. As you can imagine back in the 80s, when you compared home prices versus home prices in Southern California, it was huge. It was a big difference. And, and I was a saver when I was young. And so I was able to fulfill my, my first goal, and that was to purchase a home. It was about, about 18 months after I moved to Reno. Really? And how old were you then? When I moved to Reno, I was 26. When I purchased my first home, I was 28, maybe close to 29. Okay, all right. Mm -hmm. So in that process of purchasing, purchasing your home, you weren't married yet, you hadn't met Kim? I did meet my, my future bride-to-be. In fact, that was the other great thing about moving to Reno was I met my wife, Kim, seven months after I moved to Reno. Okay. And I happened to purchase her home, or excuse me, her parents' home. The joke was that, you know, did, did Kim come with the house? But no, I, I did purchase the house for my future in-laws. And then Kim and I lived together. We were in that home for, 
well, I think it was probably about two years before we, we actually got married, got 89 to 91. And we were in that first home in Northwest Reno for seven years. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. I remember I met you right at the end of that, right before yeah. you guys moved. Yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So you, you've had a, a couple of jobs, I'm sure, between now and then. And, and we met at Texcan Cable selling wire and cable. And then I moved on to do something else. And so tell us a little bit of your journey from Texcan or from, from your job that moved you up to Reno. Mm -hmm. show, share a little bit of that journey, about how many, where you've worked and sure. just some highlights there. Sure. Well, you know, I've been in Reno now for 32 years. So I've had, I've held a number of positions, but it was very interesting because when I was with Newark Electronics, and I, I think many of us can relate to this, you, you work for a company, a corporation, and, and you want to be that company man, and you work hard, and you communicate that you want to climb the, the corporate ladder. And I ended up being the sales manager for Newark Electronics for seven years. The company had also wanted to open up a warehouse here in Reno, Nevada. It was going to supplant the one in Los Angeles. I had indicated that I wanted to help build up that warehouse. Mm -hmm. I wanted to move over into the operations, but kind of that life lesson and, and kind of in the big, bad, cruel, you know, corporate world, sometimes you can just be a number. Unfortunately, Newark, which was owned by Premier Industrial and the New York Stock Exchange, the stock was going down. The company decided to cut back. There were a lot of sales offices, including mine, that were small offices that they decided to, to eliminate. Mm -hmm. And so my tenure, unfortunately, came to an end with that company. It was, you know, I guess through some luck or through networking, the manager at the time at Texcan Cables had actually called me. He had heard about my situation at Newark and invited me to come over and, and meet to see if I might be interested in an account executive position over there. And so that's my journey that, mm -hmm. that led me over to Texcan Cables. And I know shortly thereafter, yeah. you came on board yeah. as well. That's, that's amazing. So, yeah, and it, uh, you, we hit it off really quickly you know you did you were a much better salesperson than i was <laughs> for sure oh i don't know about that yeah so i learned a great amount from you so in tell how does a losing your job through no fault of your own how does that affect you how, how did that affect you it does affect you because you 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 kind of question why it happened you know i gee i you know did i deserve something like this but it was a character builder because certainly you realize that life is full of ups and downs mm -hmm. and it, it's not what happens to you, but it's how you respond to those situations when, when you're confronted with adversity. Right. And so I basically, you know, after you kind of go through the grieving period, you're feeling sorry for yourself, you basically pick yourself up because I, I'm truly a believer of when you believe in yourself and you're a hard worker, you're always creating opportunities. Wow. One of the things that I did realize very early on, and maybe it was part of my nature, I'm a naturally a gregarious person. I love people, I love meeting people, but I was a networker. And so a lot of the positions that I've held over the years was a result of meeting people and people inviting me to new opportunities. And so that was, you know, something that, that, you know, looking back in time, I can kind of thank those times when you go through those, you know, the, the hard times. Right. Because again, right. they're, they're character builders. Sure. Life isn't easy, whether it's in your personal relationships, your marriages, your, your career. But I think what, what truly is important is how you handle yourself and how you're able to pick yourself up when times are bad. It's really good. You know, so I think... I have a question here, and that is, um, did you start out with a plan to become who you are now, or was it by circumstances that you became who you are? Did, so did you plan, you know, a, a lot of people, especially kids coming out of college, or the, the big dream is, I'm going to, some people plan their life, you know? I'm, I'm gonna be a this, I'm gonna be a that. After college, I'm gonna be a this, and in your mind, you have in your mind, you're gonna be like, wait, forever. That's planned. Some people seem to like hit one thing after another, but it never seemed planned. 
how, how is that for you? How is that process for you? Well, you know, the joke that I have with my wife is I'm, I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> right. And so it, it's very interesting, Ken, when I evaluate my career or my life and, and, you know, where I am, especially after, after college is I was one of those individuals that, that graduated from college and it was almost like, okay, now what? But when I transferred from University of California, Santa Barbara to University of California, Dominguez Hills. Dominguez Hills was more of a commuter school. So while I was attending college there, I was also working. And the jobs that I held while I was either in school or summer jobs mm -hmm. were always in some type of sales capacity. One of the positions that I started when I was a kid, and I say kid, it was late high school and into college, where I was getting sales experience doing telemarketing. And I was working for an individual selling tennis apparel. And tennis other apparel. tennis apparel. On the fact, phone. On the phone. I was selling to tennis clubs and sporting goods stores and uh, you know tennis clubs around Southern California. So when I graduated college, it was almost like, well, the experience that I have is sales. So I kind of naturally gravitated into a sales position. And was, I was that planned? It, well, it was planned in the sense that I, I was actively involved in the career center. And so going through all of the aptitude testing, and then of course, kind of incorporating my skills and the experience that I had in the sales world, and then I had actually interviewing for jobs before I graduated with companies that were offering sales positions. So it almost seemed like that was the direction that, that I was gonna go. So my first real job out of college was, and I call it the glorified merchandiser, but I started with a company called Lever Brothers, oh. where I was marketing and, and selling a toothpaste. So wow. if you remember, AIM and Pepsodent and close-up. Yeah. That was the the you know the personal products yeah. that that I was selling. So so do you do you think that when we talk about identity, do you think it was your identity that it was a sales-driven life for you? Because you have been in some kind of sales for a very long time. Do you think it was a part of your identity? Meaning, do you think you were born to do that, or do, do you take your your personality? of being a people person and then did you match it that way? Or do you think, hey, I'm a salesman, I'm kind of born that way? I don't think that I could say that I was born that way, but because I, I always felt that I was a gregarious person, I got along with people, I enjoyed working with businesses, mm -hmm. that as the years went on, I, I felt like, well, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. For the most part, I was pretty good in, in the jobs that I held. So I kind of felt, well, this is maybe what I'm supposed to do. So opportunities were always in some type of you know, sales capacity or, or key account management. Where I really enjoyed the sales process was not the hard sale. I, I never really liked that, but it was relationships. So you create a relationship with a business or a person. You provide knowledge about a product. If that person that you're talking to is interested in, in purchasing your product, great but there would never be a, a hard sell. So for me, it was where I think where my success success came from was, was relationships and being myself. So as the years went on, I kind of felt that, well, maybe this is what I was meant to do, or maybe this is, you know, again, very early on, I never thought, well, this is what I want to do for my life, but it kind of evolved in that and kind of thought, well, this is what maybe I was supposed to, right. supposed to do. So did you, did you ever hear anything about, I mean, this kind of a word that's thrown around now is identity, your authentic self, that kind of stuff. Did you ever hear those words back then? Never. Never. Oh, no, you know, when my career started back in the mid eighties and certainly in the nineties, 
never heard I you know identity you know you might have start you know a word that might have been thrown around in human resources but certainly maybe within the last you know five ten years but never back two three decades right, ago right yeah I I always I always saw this that uh, people you can go around you can look at any job you've ever had and you can see people that fit and that really do well and then you can see people that really struggle mm-hmm. and they don't maybe they're not the sales person because of maybe they thought that their identity was something else because they got in that they felt very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's pretty amazing. We haven't heard identity way back in the eighties. It wasn't really a thing. Nineties, not really, but the last 10 years it's been people, a lot of people are looking at that because they, they, they understand that if they don't, th- th- sometimes they feel out of place. Have mm-hmm. you ever felt out of place at a job? Oh, absolutely. And, and it was really that first job out of college where I really felt out of place. I was dealing with clerks and grocery stores and a lot of these clerks were teenagers. And I thought, you know, why did I go to college to to do this? And that's (laughs) when I kind of termed or coined the idea that, you know, what I'm doing with this company is I'm a, you know, an over glorified merchandiser. And so I knew that I was not going to be long for working with that, with that company. Right. But, but what's interesting about the sales position itself is how misconstrued or maybe what people thought sales were back then, where you had people who thought, well, sales is just, you know, drive, 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 push, 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 sales, you know, don't take no for an answer. But there's so many levels of sale positions and and the, the, the definition of sales. And I think where a lot of people who have success in sales is it's not because they're a driver or a pushy salesman. It's because it's the relationships that they have, the successful relationships, the successful networks that they have that makes them successful in whatever industry that they're in. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, would you say, could could you teach somebody how to do that? Could you teach somebody how, no matter who they are, they had the desire Maybe they're socially awkward a little bit. Maybe they've never really thought about building relationships that way. Could you take someone and teach them that? Yes and no. I think when you're talking in a sales position, there has to be, the person has to have the ability to have persistence. Mm -hmm. Again, they don't need to be a pushy person, but they do need to have a level of persistence and that stick to itiveness because you know you have to be able to be told no but be able to not take that personally but to be able to create new opportunities so when you're dealing with somebody or you're teaching somebody i think you can do that but i think the ultimate advice that i give everybody no matter in what profession that you are, and I think particularly in sales, is be yourself, be authentic, be trustworthy. Because again, you're creating that relationship. And if you can't do that, then the person on the other end that you're hoping that is going to purchase your product or you're going to build that trust is not going to be they're, they're not going to purchase your yeah. your product if they don't trust you. So I think the most important thing is being yourself and being authentic and being trustworthy. So you bring up a really great point, which is trust, because that's really what we're trying to build. I teach this to the to my team members that, you know, you have to be, to, when you're authentic, when you're your true self, you, there's a little bit of vulnerability on your side. The more vulnerable you are with somebody, the more trust you build. Would you say that's a... A true statement. That is a true statement, but I think that I would rather be trustworthy and and show a little bit of vulnerability as opposed to being not trustworthy and not showing emotions or something that, you know, the the person I'm dealing with is is not believing in me and not thinking that I'm authentic. We all have vulnerabilities, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's, you know, how you share those or how you present yourself. I always say that, you know, you can show confidence and still have vulnerabilities. You can have insecurities, but not be an insecure person. Wow. And that's um, really good. Explain that a little bit. How, sure, what does that mean? Sure. Well, 
when, when you have insecurities, and I think everybody has insecurities, sure. you're always questioning yourself. Am I good enough to do that? Am I able to do, you know, a, a task? You're kind of a little reluctant. I think those are those are certainly insecurities. I think, you know, that that's something that everybody will have and then you can overcome those, but it doesn't mean that you don't have confidence or you're you're an insecure so, person. Yeah. Big difference between being an insecure person who can show passive aggressiveness or even being really aggressive towards somebody instead of somebody who might be just, you know, they have the insecurities, but they're still a confident person and they believe in themselves. That's really good. That's really good. Can you tell us about the three biggest events that you got and got you where you are today? So this is a loaded question. So uh, maybe it's a couple, maybe it's one, but if, if you, can you think about a couple events that got you where today? Some some really game changers, maybe a position you had, maybe something, a decision you made in a position that gave you, you've already really talked about one, which is you're a networker, but is there anything else in your journey, in your life journey, the, and a big event that really helped you that you can think about? Well, I always hearken back to when I got transferred to Reno. Mm -hmm. That was a defining moment where this was gonna be a big challenge. And I felt that I was ready for it. I was ready for it on two fronts. Obviously, career-wise, I, I aspired to be into the management program, and I had raised my hand and said, you know, hey, company, Newark Electronics, I want that job. I'm interested in that job in, in Reno. And I was going to be relocating to mm -hmm. a completely foreign area. I had never been to, to Reno before. I had come off a broken relationship down in Los Angeles. And so for me, this was a brand new challenge, a challenge in life, relocating to a whole new area of the country that I was not familiar with, did not know a single soul in Reno. Wow. And then at the same time, taking on this new endeavor, a challenge of managing a sales office for you know a corporation. That was, I always, think back, what if I didn't take that job? Or what would I be doing today if I never had the opportunity to, to move to Reno? And then, of course, I mentioned earlier that Reno allowed me to really get vested in the community and do some, you know, personal accomplishments, dreams like, you know, owning a home and, mm -hmm. and, and, and doing that, where it would have been very difficult to do, certainly at that time on a single income down in Los Angeles. So, when you talk about events that really, for me, was kind of a game changer or it allowed me to really grow as a person, it definitely was that, you know, a 26-year-old moving to, to Reno and, and opening up a, a, a new office here. That was, that was, that was huge. So it gave you confidence. Absolutely. Uh, got, probably, I'm sure, some failure, but you, you had mm -hmm. confidence. You, you succeeded. You know, and really not your own doing that they took it out. They It wasn't really about all that. I remember you talking about that when I met you at TextCan. So what's going on now, the last five five or so years? How, how has it changed in your life now as far as what you do? And what are the highlights of that? Well, you know, Ken, I was joking earlier about, you know, I'm still trying to find out what I want to do. do when you, when you grow up. <laughs> but what's interesting is the, the last couple of positions that I've, that I've held were positions where I was doing business development and workforce development. And I found that, you know, I really enjoy working with businesses, reaching out to businesses, providing a product or service to help those business, those businesses could actually grow oh, okay. economically. As you know, in Northern Nevada here, the last, you know, 10, 12 years since the recession, we've exploded. The area has diversified. We've had a number of industries that have invested in, in the Northern Nevada market. We've had many new manufacturers that have come to the area, high tech, healthcare. And so I've really enjoy reaching out to businesses in the different industries and providing resources so those businesses can, can develop and thrive. I've always felt that when businesses thrive and the local economy thrives, we all prosper right. as, as a result of that. 
So what I've kind of learned about myself is I really enjoy the business development processes, reaching out to, to businesses and helping those businesses so that way they can grow, they can thrive in the economy, because when they thrive in the economy, again, it, it just trickles down to locally as, as well as uh, statewide too. Sure. So business development and workforce development has is, is become kind of a passion within the last, you know, five, 10 years. That, that's awesome. So what are some of the, what are some of the highlights that you've seen through business development? Is there anything that comes to mind that it's really exciting that you've helped develop? Mm -hmm. I would say that through the last few companies that I've worked for and I was doing business engagement, I was more or less getting my, my name out there. Mm -hmm. And that's been kind of neat because there are various boards for organizations, business organizations that have asked me to actually participate and be on their, 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 their boards. Board. And that's great because now you really got an, an insight. You're involved in an organization that's also trying to promote and market the area and, and grow the economy itself. I was the legislative director for a business organization called Northern Nevada Human Resources Association. And even though I was not directly involved in human resources, being the legislative director allows me to keep up to speed on public policy issues that impact employers in Nevada. Wow. And so I'm able then to share that information with my businesses that I deal with on a one-on-one -on -one basis to keep them up to speed on what's going on on not only federal issues, but also statewide and, and local issues wow. that can have an impact either positive or negatively on those businesses. Gotcha. So what's really interesting to me and what I, I really want to take notice of this is that you started out in sales mm -hmm. and you've moved, You in, someone would say, okay, you went into business development from sales. Some people would say that's a, you know, it's a wide gap, you know, you did, you've done telephone sales, you've done, you've done all kinds of things in sales. Mm -hmm. And, but really your, your identity and who, who you are is a people person, networker, servant. You like to serve. Yes. I know that about you. So it's just, so when you, would you say that those are some great words to describe your identity? I would definitely say those are great words to characterize my, my identity. Yeah. I think you hit it on the nail. I enjoy helping people, serving people. I think when you meet somebody who is, uh, truly authentic and, and, and they want to reach out to you for your guidance, you can't help but feel good about that and wanting to help that individual. And, you know, and then in what I do on a daily basis, again, I'm, I'm working with businesses, but again, you're helping those businesses. You want to serve them. You want to be able to provide a resource or a product or something that helps them thrive. Right. Because after all, like I said earlier, when they thrive, we all benefit right. as a result right. of that. Yeah, it's a it's interesting thing too when you help businesses understand that the pie isn't just this big. The pie grows mm -hmm. as the as everything as the business grows, the the reach grows, the pie grows. It's not set. Right. It's really really interesting. It's really great for for young people that are in college or whatever to understand that when they get into business for themselves or their entrepreneurs out there. I I got a passion for entrepreneurs as well, so it's very exciting. I want you to continue that thought you have about this maze. What, what's that about? I always thought or always felt that God had a plan for all of us. And there's a maze that's out there. And God knows that we're going to end up here. But how we get there, we have to kind of figure it out. Some people might go this way. Others might go this way. Others might go this way. And I've always felt that for every person, we all have a journey. God knows we'll end up here, but how we get there is dependent so upon us. Right. And I do believe that when you are internally a good person with good morals and good ethics, that you're going to find that, that end point. It's just, it's just dependent on right. ourselves on how right. we get there. And you can't give up. And you can't give up. It's no, a, sometimes, I mean, I would have never thought in a million years that we would be sitting here today 
after I, we were thinking 25 years 25 ago, years? something like that. 25 years ago, we met. We would be sitting here today talking into a camera, talking about identity. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're right. God knew that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of a mind-blowing thing, isn't it? It really is. So I would like to shift a little bit here, and I want to talk about identity, purpose, and values, okay? And so I like to define identity because I think it's very important that we understand what we mean by identity. The, the definition of identity is this. It's the characteristics determining who or what a person or thing is. The fact of being or who or what a person or thing is. So that's like the, the your just standard dictionary definition of identity is. So how much time have you spent thinking about your identity? much well not a lot if you're talking specifically about identity but what i do can think about a lot is who am i and where did i come from and the values that that i have i think that i'm a pretty good person but i really attribute the person that i am and and became i have so much appreciation and love for my parents. I grew up in a family, I was the oldest of three, a lot of love, a lot of discipline. We knew what was expected. We learned to appreciate and to value and to earn things. And so I think a lot of of who I am today is a result of the upbringing from my parents. Okay. I have told myself, and I've shared this with a lot of other people, I have to be the luckiest person on, on, the, on you know, really? in the world. Why do you think that? Well, you know, my, when I think back to my parents' generation and my grandparents' generation and the hardships that they went through. So for instance, my father's father, my grandfather, my paternal grandfather mm-hmm. escaped from Russia as a Russian Jew, came to this country with his family at the age of six, never had a formal education, worked two and three jobs to actually put my father through medical school. My... Wow, so your grandfather... My grandfather... Who came from Russia at the age of six, puts your dad through medical school. Yes. Wow. He worked two and three jobs to put my dad through, through medical school. My father and his family, they didn't have much but they always worked hard and knew that working hard in education was the path to a better life. My mother and my mother's mother, so on my maternal side of the family, my mother was a prisoner of war along with my grandmother and my my aunt and uncle, while my grandfather, my mother's father, survived World War II. And my mother and her family were in a prison camp for four and a half years before they were reunited. Was that in, and where was that? World War II. So although my mother is Dutch, my mother was born in Indonesia, which was part of the Dutch colony. But when the Japanese had taken over the Indonesian islands, my grandfather was separated and he was taken as as a prisoner. And my mother, who was about six or seven years old when when they were imprisoned. They were imprisoned for four and a half years. And so obviously life wasn't easy. And then of course, when the family was reunited, it was tough for them to get, you know, back. back. On their feet, yeah, yeah, they actually then ended up back in Holland. So fast forward to my life, when I think I'm having a bad day, I have to say time out. I have to put things in perspective because I have to think back that you're not having a bad day. Think of what my parents and grandparents went through to be able to provide and, and, and help me evolve into being a person, myself, my brother, my sister, to what they became. We have to be the luckiest people in the world. Wow. Our generation, we were the recipients of what the second and the first generation Americans went through. So for us to complain 
I mean, we don't know how lucky we we we, we have it. It's such a it's such an amazing when you look at it that way, it it gives you such an amazing perspective that we can't even fathom. We 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 can't. Yeah. And and what's interesting too is I got the perspective of the Jewish side of the family, my mm -hmm. father's side, and how important education was and staying in school and working with your mind. My grandfather, I remember fondly when I was younger and we used to go visit because my father was born and raised in Boston, so my relatives were there. And even though, even though my grandfather was long retired, he used to come up to my brother and I and say, you, you, you see these fingernails? You see the dirt in these nails? You stay in school and, and become a doctor like your daddy. Work with your mind. Wow. I can't tell you how many times he, he would share that with my brother and I. Right. But we knew the, the importance of ed education. But more importantly, the, it was so important, the love but the discipline and respecting your elders and the appreciation and the hard work. That was something that I had learned and knew and took. And I think that has basically wow. made me what I am right. today. So that kind of leads me to this, this next question. And that is, where do you think identity comes from? Does it come from religion? Does it come from your family? Do, what, what is your philosophy on that? Where does, where does that identity come from? Well, I think the identity comes from, like you just said, I think it comes from all sorts of directions. It can come from religion. It can come from the values that are instilled as you are growing up from your from your parents. I, I feel very strongly about the root of the family. Unfortunately, a lot of the social issues that we have in this country are a result of the breakup of the family. Right. They are your experiences, your influence, your, your, the things that influence you as, as a young person. There are so many things that happen to you that then create your I, identity. It is a culmination of it is a culmination of your life of all sorts of experiences that creates your identity. It can't be just one thing. It is, like you said, a culmination of different experiences and situations that leave an impression on you. Right. You. You. Another saying is, you find who you are through your life. Really, pressure reveals a lot of who you are. It certainly does. Yeah. It, it certainly does. Press pressure in stressful situations like I've always said, it can be adversity, but it's how you respond and when you respond, it's those it's a character builder. It just makes you stronger. And I think as you get older and you're able to overcome and learn from adversity, it just makes you stronger and wiser when you get when you get to, you know to be older. That's really good. So, have you ever have you ever heard about personality types? You ever heard of the DISC program or Briggs mm -hmm. Myers Myers Briggs? That was called Myers Briggs. Myers Briggs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How much how much stock do you put in that stuff? You know, I don't know if I put a whole lot of stock into it because I every time I've taken a test or you know some type of you know aptitude testing, mm -hmm. I fall into the category that I think I already am. You know, I've, I there's a, and I don't remember the colors because I think each one has different <laughs> colors and all that. But I'll be predominantly one color that has the you know sociable, friendly, wants to help people. I seem to be you know in that grid. I seem to be heavy on. So it doesn't really help side. you because you already know where you're at. And yeah, every time I take that you know those aptitude tests, I, I, it's it's really no surprising. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> right. So values. Let's go into values. Mm -hmm. A definition of a value is a person's principles or standards or behavior, one's judgment or what is important in life. Do you know what your values are? I pretty much do. And and again, I talk, I hearken back to my experiences growing up with my parents. They instilled a, a lot of those values. Mm -hmm. Have you written them down? I don't think I've actually written those down, but I'm pretty confident in myself and how I project myself. I don't want to, I, I do want to say that my image is fairly important. I mean, people know me and I think that they value me as a good person. 
And so I don't want to do anything that could jeopardize my standing with people or do something that would actually, you know, take a hit on those, on right. those values. There. Right. So they're important to you. They, they are important. You know, yeah. uh, some people write them down. Some people live them. Some mm -hmm. people do both. Right. So I, I think it's, it's just really important. I, I think when we define values and we understand that they're your principles or standards you live, what you what you actually do speaks a, way louder than than what you spout, mm -hmm. you know. But there are people that have them written down, and I personally don't have mine written down. But I think there, it's very interesting to know how people look and perceive, and we want people to be able to trust us. And and when you're guiding people, especially in a business journey, and what you do mm -hmm. right now, they need to know who you are. They need to know what you're about. They value. do. Yeah. They do. Do you think that your main life events shape your values? I think they can. Yes. Certainly, you know, my childhood and how I was raised shapes your values. Very interesting. That's an interesting question, Ken, because years ago, my parents actually apologized to me because now I mentioned I'm, I'm the oldest of three. Mm -hmm. They felt that they were too hard on me. And I said, Mom, Dad, why are you apologizing? I mean, I don't think that you were too hard. And I think had I had children, because Kim and I do not have children, but I would probably want to raise my children very much like how I was raised, because I think that you guys did an incredible job. And the person who I've become is a result of your upbringing. And you've instilled in those values and, and other things into me. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's those experiences that you've gone through. Again, I, I got to say that I was so blessed. You know, how I was raised, I was really the luckiest kid. Wow. Um, but again, in my family, if we breached, you know, the expectations for my parents, we knew about it. Right. We knew what the consequences were. And there were severe consequences. So I really appreciate how I was raised because, again, it, it's how it developed evolved me. It developed who I am. If you were going to give me two values that you have, just off the top of your head, what would they be? Trusting. Mm -hmm. And I would say also, you know, integrity. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In fact, that's one, one of the words that came into my, my mind was integrous. You're, you're a very integrous person. Thank you. Um, so let's move on to purpose. The definition of purpose is a person's sense of resolve or determination, the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. So has purpose been a motivating or guiding factor in your life? That's an interesting question. You know, you start to kind of, when you get later on in life, you start to question, what's my purpose? Like I had mentioned earlier, you know, my wife and I do not have children. Mm -hmm. And so you start to think, well, if I had children, my purpose would in life would be able to, to raise my children right. to the best of my ability, make my children be good, become good people. But because I don't have those experiences, I've always thought, what is my purpose in life? God actually created me. Mm -hmm. What what other than you know, waking up every day and going to work and paying the bills and getting together with friends to socialize. What is my purpose on that? And and that's something I don't want to say I struggled with, but I thought about that, wondering, what am I doing here? <laughs> well, I can probably answer that for you. You're guiding people through life, man. Well, You're guiding through businesses. Yep. You're guiding businesses through their their journeys and stuff. Yep. That that's actually true. Yeah. The more I think about and it, do you think this is true? Do you think that you could probably pick out somebody else's purpose before you could pick out your own? <laughs> if you uh, know them good if enough. If I know them good enough, I probably yeah. It's it's a pretty. Yeah. It's a, yeah. I think it's a truism. Yeah. I, I'm I'm much. I could take a look at some of my friends and and go, hey, you know, I think I know what your purpose is, <laughs> you know, and I think sometimes, and maybe this is a great question for you. Do you think we all be, we think we look too much at it? Do you think it, it is, maybe it's a social thing that people will say, well, what's your purpose? You know, what, what are you on this planet Earth for? When really we look way past what the simplicity of it all is. What, what's your, what's your well, thought on that? Yeah, that, that's a good question because I don't, think that you know if you if you if you stress about it if you delve into it too deeply 
and it start it starts to control you that might not be too healthy like i said i've thought about it you know and it, and it has been serious or whatever but i would be worried if i was thinking about it too much where it started to control me where i started asking too many questions of myself and then it might be too depressing it, it might yeah. depress you yeah i it, has there ever been a movie or a book you've read that helped you understand where you who you were and where you were going your purpose well there there is a movie that that stands out and it it has to do with you know obviously my parents experiences and it had to do with the war mm -hmm. my all-time favorite movie is saving private ryan oh wow and why there's well there's a scene at the very end and of course if those you know who have seen the movie where Ryan, because again, you had this platoon of soldiers that were sent to find Private Ryan because right. he had lost brothers in the war. He was the last uh, he one. He was the last one. And at the end of the movie, you know, you fast forward to the present and there Ryan is looking, he's at the American cemetery there in Normandy and he's looking at the tombstone of the major who was played by tom hanks mm -hmm. and he turns to his wife and says in tears tell me i was a good man have i been a good man and that just just hit me because you start to think back at you know at that generation and the sacrifices that they did and here's a man who survived that campaign and when he and then he had to automatically turn a blind eye to his experiences of the war and become a civilian again and get married work and raise a family and you know he had all of these things that were just you know hidden and buried in in him and at the very end the emotions start to pour out and he's asking his wife, you know, have I been a good man? Am I a good man? And that's something that his, it, it just hits you when you, when yeah. you watch that. And, right. and, and so it translates to what my, the generations ahead of me and certainly what my parents experienced. You know, my father lost cousins in World War II. My father was just a little bit too young to serve World War II. He was in the army during Vietnam, but you know kind of relating to that experiences so yeah that movie to me was very very powerful that's that's a that's an amazing story about that and it really does speak to purpose it really does speak to what are you going to do with your life you know that's always what i've ever thought is the purpose i have on this planet my purpose is to glorify god first and foremost and so and i do that by serving people on the planet i i'm a that's what I do. That's what I want to do. That's what I've always wanted to do is be a servant. And so, yeah, I would say that that's a, that movie was super impactful as well. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that resonate with that. A couple more questions and we'll be done. But did your family ever talk about purpose at all? Or was it just kind of known that you were... No, that's, that is an interesting question, Ken. I, we never really got into in-depth, deep conversations like that. Interesting. And you know that it is interesting. Now we we were a close-knit family in the sense that, you know, it was very important that we all had dinner together. I mean, we better be home by six o'clock because the family was having dinner and we would talk. It was important to talk about, you know, how your day was, we used to also play games while we were eating dinner. My father used to kind of hymn classical songs and we would try to recite who the composer was. We also, and this would be during dessert time, we would actually have cards and it was a uh, you know learning vocabulary so he would have a word and we would have to you know learn what the definition was or recite the definition if we were right you know so we did those those things but we never had any deep conversations which which is interesting and i wonder if it just wasn't that generation you know first and second generations where you didn't pour your feelings out 
I mean, you were a parent and that was your job. And if you, the only person that maybe you would pour your feelings out would be your spouse, but it wasn't something that you did with the kids. Interesting. It might be something that's more prevalent today, but I don't think that that was something that was necessarily prevalent back then. Right. You know, I was born in 61. And, and then I grew up really in the 70s, and then I left in the early 80s. So, yeah, it wasn't like we had these deep conversations about purpose or identity or anything like that. Yeah. My dad and I would have heart-to-heart conversations about, you know, when I tried to sneak on the football team and my parents <laughs> didn't want me to play football. And he kind of leveled with me, you know, instead of just yelling, he gave me a reason why. He also, when I, there was a time when I was thinking about wanting to be a physician. He sat me down and gave me the realities of what it was like to practice medicine. And, you know, so those were some of the conversation, the close conversations that either a father or son would have, but it wouldn't be, you know, what's the purpose of life? It wasn't, it wasn't like that. I think we put a lot of stock into that kind of stuff right now. I think it is very important. We talk to our kids all the time about, you know, what do you want to do, you know, and what do you want to be? But I, I really think that it is the most important thing that I'm hearing is that your dad and your mom were there. They were. And they were. when we talk about identity and purpose and vision and values and all this kind of stuff, we, we, we feel it. We, it gets inserted into us from our parents. And I'm a firm believer that we just don't have the teachers we have. We don't have teachers today. No. There's, the parents are not teaching and they're not feeling either. I mean, they're very distant for the most part. Some of these people, some of the kids we've had through our home with our kids in the last five to 10 years have just been, we've loved on them big time and they don't have anybody that's just even paying attention and talking to them. So it doesn't really yes. matter. So yeah, it's really beautiful. It's really... Well, last question is, and you've kind of mentioned this a little bit, but I always like to find out what people's vision, how has vision, purpose, all this kind of stuff, has religion played into that at all? It, it hasn't, but I do have a regret when it comes to, to religion. I'm, in, I'm Jewish, mm-hmm. and if somebody were to ask me what my religion is, I would say I'm Jew, but I'm not a practicing Jew. Now, when I was a kid mm-hmm. growing up, my father is Jewish, my mother is not. My father wanted to raise his boys Jewish. So my brother and I were bar mitzvahed, when mm-hmm. we were turned 13, mm-hmm. we did observe Hanukkah and Passover. And my father mandated, he said, boys, you will accompany me to temple for the high holidays, which was Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. You will do that until you're 16, and then you can then decide what, what you want to do. I laugh because I remember my brother saying once he turned 16 and he's two years younger than I am, he's I'm out of here. I'm not doing it anymore. But I continued on. But then when I left for college, not for any particular reason, I didn't continue on right. going to temple, observing. Now, we, we would observe Hanukkah at home. We would have the menorah. But we would also celebrate Christmas because my mom is not Jewish. And of course... You know, we just the high, you know, the holidays and all that and celebrating with other other friends and all that, too. So we had both. We didn't have gifts necessarily for Hanukkah, but we'd have the menorah and the the candles. But I do, you know, and I'll, I'll share a couple of regrets. One is not continuing on observing my my faith, whether that that would have made an impact on any particular direction in life, I I don't know. You don't know unless you would have experienced it. Aside from religion, the other regret that I have is that I didn't serve in our military. Interesting. And I came very close to, to doing that. Now, what had happened was when I graduated high school, you might remember we we were going through the Iranian crisis. Mm -hmm. We still had the hostages when when I graduated. President Reagan instituted the the conscription. So Mm -hmm. uh, once you turned 18, you had to go down and 
file with the post office. So that right. way the government had you on, yep. on record. Yep. Well, I was very fortunate to be able to go to college. In fact, I think that was my father's dream because his father put him through school. And now that my father had some financial means, that was kind of his goal. We weren't forced to go to college if we didn't want to. And that's a whole nother story. If I didn't go to college, it was like, okay, you're on your own. Mm -hmm. You know, you're moving out of the house. But I struggled my first, well, we weren't on semester system. We were on a quarter system at UCSB. Where I was an A-B student in high school, now I was like a C student in college. And I was very discouraged and depressed and starting to question where am I going? Kind of like, you know, what's my worth kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And when I came home for the holiday, the Christmas holidays, I said to my dad, I said, Dad, I think I want to go in the Army. And he said, well, you know, why? And I said, well, I, you know, I... And I'm not doing very good, and maybe I, maybe I don't belong here, and maybe I need to go into the Army. And he said, look, he said, son, you're better than that. He says, unfortunately, there are some individuals out there that have no choice, and the only way out is, is the military. He says, but if you want to take the path of the military, that's great, but go in as an officer look into the ROTC program, look into programs where you can go in as an officer. My father went into the army, but because he was a doctor, he went in after his medical school. So he was able to go in as a, as a captain. So that was what I was thinking about doing. Well, when I went back to college, things got better. I got mm -hmm. kind of used to what you need right. to do. You know, you have to step it up, you know, in college, it's not high school anymore. So gradually, obviously things got better and I didn't go in that direction. Thinking back, it was maybe the regret that I didn't serve our country. You know, whether it was four years or I made it a career. And it's very interesting because my parents have always said that, you know, you value, you know, you're, you're disciplined and you follow authority and you're pretty regimented the way I am that you would have made it good in a position where there was there was a, a authority whether it was in the fire department or the police department, but the military would have been a good place sure. for me. So I always think back that maybe that's something that I regret not, not Interesting. pursuing. Interesting. And then you always wonder, what if? What if I, where would I be now? Where would I be now? Right. Exactly. Well, I think you were on the best path that you could ever be on. I'm really glad that we had a chance to sit down and talk and a little about your journey and about uh, about your family, you know, it's just so it's it's really refreshing. It's really awesome. Thank you. To hear. I, so I've enjoyed. You're right. Yes. One last question, real mm -hmm. quick. If you were to give somebody su suggestions on their identity, just one suggestion. What would some? What is something that you would you would encourage someone to do? Maybe who's no matter where they are in life, maybe they're doubting right now who they are and why they're at a place that they're at. What's one thing you would tell them to do? There's two things that I always like to share, particularly to young people. I've had opportunities to speak to students, whether they're in high school or they're just starting in college, or maybe they're, they're about ready to graduate. There's two things that I always like to share with them. The first one, and of course this always makes sense, is be yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't try to be somebody that you're not because when you try doing that people are going to pick up on that they're going to pick up that that that's not you that that's too phony the other thing that i often and i feel very strongly about this particularly for for young people and this is more of a of a fiscal responsibility but i i convey the importance of saving your money St save your money even you know especially young people they have an opportunity when they start to work save their money because it makes life so much easier when you've got a financial foundation you know we all remember the first time we moved out of our parents home and we had to put down that first and last months and the security deposit your car breaks down there's all sorts of things that happen and it just makes life easier when you've got money that's saved away that you can go ahead and take care of that of that incident. Mm 
Right. Like I mentioned very early on in the interview, one of my goals was to buy a home. And so from very early on, I was I was saving, you know, money to, to do that. Right. But it did make it so much easier that when I did move out, I had the financial means. I didn't have a lot of money, but I had enough to right. to, to get by. Right. And those are the two things that I always like to, to so, share or instill right. in, in others. So <clears throat> listening out there, especially if you're starting out, is the first thing is that you want to save money. And the second thing or vice versa or whatever is you want to be yourself. Be yourself. You're the, you're the best you, you. You're the best version of you. Well, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. I really thank appreciate you for it. Me. Big time. You bet. Thank you, Mark, for spending time with me today. That was incredible. There were so many takeaways, but the one thing I got from Mark's interview that was everyone's journey is different. I also like the way that he uses the question from Saving Private Ryan Have I been a good man? Have I been a good human as a compass for navigating his journey? Well, until next time, this is the Who Do You Think You Are podcast, powered by Endurance Leadership. My name is Ken Castrico. Thank you for listening. And if you found this podcast inspiring, please follow the pod and leave a comment. Thank you for listening to the Who Do You Think You Are podcast. I hope you had some kind of a breakthrough moment while you listened today. I love when people get an insight that can quite literally change the way they think and behave. If you want more of this or want to learn more about my community, go to endurancelead.com. That's endurancelead.com. Until the next time, this is Who Do You Think You Are podcast. My name is Ken Castrico, and I want to thank you for listening. If you found this podcast inspiring, please follow the pod and leave a comment. Have a great day.